Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So I don't know if I've actually talked about this with our listeners before, but I am a huge musical theater fan. And about five or six years ago, I became obsessed with the musical Hamilton, just like many other people in this country. I even got to go see it on Broadway before it became popular. I like to brag about that. Um, So uh, it was awesome, right? I loved that experience. Now, if we're talking about the music, the musical's great. I like old school rap. And so there's like old school rap in it. I thought that was very clever. The acting, the actors are great. There's just one small problem. And that is that the whole musical glorifies someone who doesn't really deserve to be glorified. And that's Alexander Hamilton, who was one of our country's framers. Now, Connor, will you remind our listeners what a framer is and how it's different from a founder? And maybe just tell us a little bit like baseline of what you know about Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, a lot of people sometimes use these terms kind of interchangeably. They when referring to the founding fathers, they might say the framers or vice versa. So the, the founding fathers, uh, you might argue, are the delegates to the Second Continental Congress. These guys uh, are committing treason, um, you know, first passing the Articles of Confederation, right? Like, and so the, the, the folks that are involved in breaking away from, uh, from Great Britain, from King George, right? These are the founding fathers. They founded a new country. They said, we are no longer part of Great Britain. We are part of a new country, you know, United States coming together, all these different colonies forming a government, creating the Articles of Confederation. And kids, if you don't know what the Articles of Confederation is, it's kind of the constitution before the current constitution was the first attempt by the founders to create a, a government between these different colonies or these states. So those are the founders. They founded the new country. The framers, this is typically a term that's uh, reserved for the individuals who created the new constitution, which happened, you know, like decade and a half later. And there were some similar, you know, folks involved. There's some overlap. But the framers, they framed the constitution. Think of framing like a house. You have the wood and you're creating the walls and the, and the frames that you're then going to build the rest of the home around. Uh, it, it was that way with the Constitution. They felt that the Articles of Confederation were inadequate. It wasn't doing everything they wanted to. And so they wanted to create a Constitution. So they framed this new government. And that's why we call them the framers. Now, as it stands for Alexander Hamilton, I've seen the, uh, I, I guess I watched it on like Disney Plus or something. I've never yep. been in person, but I watched the show. My wife made me watch it. So I, I willingly obliged. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, yay, Hamilton. And it's so fun and kind of glorifying this person. But Alexander Hamilton, especially as it concerns like economic liberty, free markets, uh, he was a bit of a disaster. And so I'm excited to talk about it today. That is a little bit of an understatement. Now, before we dip into all his faults, and believe me, there are many, I do want to highlight some positives because I want people to understand why Hamilton became such an interesting story and why, what is his name, Lin-Manuel Miranda, I pretend I didn't know his name, I knew it, Uh, (laughs) why why he decided this would be such a compelling story for the stage. And we all love the story of the underdog, right? And Hamilton was born into nothing. Most of his childhood yep. was filled with tragedy. It was filled with poverty. I mean, I could rap the whole song for you. I will spare you. I will not. I thought about it. But so he was born out of wedlock, which means his parents weren't married. And this was a huge deal. I mean, if this happened to you, you were pretty much destined to be a social outcast forever. 
And so he and his mother and his brother lived in the Caribbean islands and his father was somewhere in Europe. So the family was impoverished. His mother ended up dying when he was just a little boy. He'd move in with a cousin. The cousin then killed himself. Like this was not a happy childhood. Ugh. Yeah, not great. I want to rap every time I'm reading it. I'm like, I could just rap the song. But uh, so he was very driven, right? And ambition is really great. It helps people get out of their circumstances, like if they were born into poverty, for example. But it can also make a person power hungry. And it can make them crave power in ways that, that are not very good. So Hamilton was self-taught. He was a brilliant writer. He taught himself how to bookkeep for a trading company. He was very young so that he could bring in some money. But his words are what really brought him to mainland America. There was, um, what was it? There was a terrible hurricane where he lived. And he wrote a poem about it, I think. Um, We'll link to it. I read it once. So his whole town is touched by this poem. They're, They're sobbing and they're like, you know what? This kid is too good to sit here and, you know, rot in poverty. They all pitched in. They send him to America to be educated. I mean, this wow. is this sounds like a great story, right? Like I'm I'm sitting here. I'm like, yeah, I'll read this. But just because somebody has a good origin story does not mean they're politically principled. Well, and and Hamilton, I want to be fair to him, right? He wasn't like this evil person that did no good. Like he had some redeeming he did. qualities about him. You know, he was a very firm believer in breaking away from the British crown before. You know, independence. He was supportive of this cause to separate, to to stand up and create a new country. He he fought in the American Revolution. He was a close aide, uh, like a helper to uh, General George Washington. Um, and you know, but but when it comes to the Constitution as a framer, right? This is where the story starts to go from interesting and maybe even sympathetic to a little bit scary. You know, like. <laughs> Uh, he he was an author. We've talked before about the Federalist Paper uh, essays. Uh, these were a series of essays that were written by a few uh, individuals supporting the Constitution before it was ratified. They were saying, we need the Constitution and here's why. And they made all these arguments across all these papers. Hamilton, so there are 85 uh, essays, I believe. 85, wrote, I believe, yeah. He wrote 51 of them. So he was he was a very good writer. He clearly his education paid off. He was trying to persuade people to support the Constitution. So, you know, that's all impressive. But we've said before, there's the Federalist Papers, which kids often will read about in school and learn about. But they're never taught about the anti-Federalist Papers. These were the essays written by people on the other side of the argument who were worried and warning other people saying, yeah, this Constitution sounds great, but it's not going to be enough to restrain big government. It's not going to protect our rights. And, you know, looking at this like 250 years later, I think it's fair to say that it was the anti-federalists who won and Hamilton and others who were all rosy eyed about, oh, the constitution (laughs) will save us and it'll be great. You know, it didn't end up quite working out that way. No, you're right. And even though I droned on about his ambition, uh, because I really do find that admirable. Again, he had many faults, even even in his personal life, he was very self aggrandizing, which means very self promoting, right? He thought very highly of himself, which made it hard to like him if you were one of his enemies. Because (laughs) when there are people are smart, and they're humble about it, you know, you think like, Oh, how great they don't realize how smart they are. Hamilton knew how smart he was, and he wanted you to know it. And his his writing, you can see that come through, he knew what he was doing. Um, And so that's probably why people think that this financial system, which we'll get to in a minute, that he put into place was so brilliant, but it it really wasn't. And I want to talk about that financial system because he was kind of put in charge of of trying to help create this new American kind of economic system. And and there was a a person with the Mises Institute who who wrote this line. We just had uh, recently Jeff 
Deist on, who's the president of the Mises Institute. So they teach a lot about free markets. And, and so this individual wrote, he said, Hamilton has perhaps done more damage to the United States than any other American figure, even Woodrow Wilson and Abraham Lincoln. And of course, we often are taught that Abraham Lincoln was this wonderful person, even, even though if you look at how he impacted our rights and the Constitution, there was a huge problem. Woodrow Wilson getting us involved in war, you know, Federal Reserve and all income tax and all these problems that really grew government. Both of those presidents were really involved in growing government and creating kind of the modern state that is just oppressive and powerful. Um, and so we can get into that on a future episode. But for this guy at the Mises Institute to say that Hamilton has done more damage to the United States than, than those guys, he's basically saying this guy has caused a ton of problems. And why? Well, I feel like it's because Hamilton's vision, his idea was central authority, right? He wanted weak checks and balances. He didn't, he wanted the government to have a lot of power. And, you know, I think his views were in many cases against the principles of self-ownership that the country was founded upon. In other words, you own yourself, you have rights, you should be able uh, to do you know, what you want. I mean, he advocated for what's called the general welfare clause in the Constitution, right? This part of the Constitution that says, oh, and whatever Congress thinks is in the general welfare of the people, right? And <laughs> and it, it wasn't even written in a way that actually says, hey, Congress, go do whatever you want. It was, yep. he was trying, it was an attempt to kind of describe what the powers of Congress were for rather than saying, oh, here's a catch-all power to do whatever you want as long as you can claim it's for the general welfare of the people. And yet, that's exactly what has happened uh, today. Even though it's not in the Constitution in a way that gives Congress power, still plenty of people, including the courts, have said, okay, well, you know, there's the general welfare clause. So as long as Congress thinks it's an, an okay idea, as long as they think that it's in our best interest, our welfare, they can do it. It's like that, wait, what? <laughs> that, that totally runs afoul of the Constitution and, and its purpose to limit government and protect our rights. It's also gotten us, like you said, into a lot of trouble. I mean, that's helped grow the welfare state, too, because you could say, oh, but it helps the people. It helps the people. So not a good thing. Another bad aspect to Hamilton, to put it bluntly, is he was a liar. So <laughs> if you go back and forth through his his pamphlets, because he was definitely a pamphleteer before he became a, a real framer um, and actually helping you know, craft the Constitution, he would say one thing to the public and then contradict it and do something else. So in this in the instance I want to bring up, he once claimed that the judicial branch, which is, you know, the Supreme Court, the courts, that they were going to be the weakest branch, that nobody should worry about them. It's going to be fine. And then years later, he actually helped organize the judiciary branch to become superior to both Congress and the states. So whether he meant to lie or not, which I think there's some evidence that says he did, he did do it. He just said whatever was in his interest to get people to do what he wanted. And he was very charming, unfortunately. So it worked. All right, but I feel like we still haven't gotten to the, the worst offense, right? Our our readers of anyone out there, right? All you listeners out there, you know about the creature from Jekyll Island, right? This the yes. Federal Reserve. It's it's the bank that kind of controls our money, right? And it prints new money out of thin air. And so what you may not know is that Hamilton helped lay the foundation for the creature from Jekyll Island as the first Secretary of Treasury. In other words, this, you know, the Constitution was passed, the new federal government was created, George Washington is elected as president, and he gets to pick his, it's called a cabinet, right? Kind of the leaders of the different parts of the 
executive branch in the government. And so George Washington picks his aide, his helper, uh, Alexander Hamilton, to run the treasury, right? Printing Big money. mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way to go, George. And, uh, and so as the secretary of the treasury, Hamilton creates the first central bank. He even suggested that the bank should be able to borrow from itself. He, he went so far as to say that public debt was a public blessing, <laughs> which, which, you know, is totally false. But, you know, with much of, of how he sees the economy, like high taxes and even a bit of crony capitalism, which is when like the businesses are, are getting benefits from the government and they're getting favors. So he, he would, he would feud, he would, he would battle with Thomas Jefferson a lot, right? In the play, Jefferson is portrayed as a bit of like this bumbling fool, yep. uh, but this is totally not the case, right? There was very much this division right at the outset of, of the new government between kind of the mercantilists, which are kind of like the crony capitalists who want to, like with Alexander Hamilton, create a system that benefits them and enriches them and they want to use the government to benefit them versus kind of the classical liberal uh, uh, individuals like Thomas Jefferson who wanted you know, freedom. They wanted government restraint. They they didn't want central banking and central power. They wanted decentralization. They, they didn't want, you know, power to be uh, controlled like this. And so Thomas Jefferson was a fierce advocate for that idea. And Hamilton and others uh, arguing on the other side for more central control. And, and so, yes, so much of this damage was done and set in motion by what Hamilton was pushing for this brand new country to do right at the very beginning uh, and it's awkward, too, because these guys were advocating separation from Great Britain because of all these problems. And yet now that they're in control, they're creating many of the same problems. I think you're absolutely right. And so, I mean, that brings us to the original question. You know, is Hamilton hero or villain? Does he deserve all this credit that he's given because of this really popular play? And I think, no, not really. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm not going to belt out the soundtrack in my car. I'm going to. But I don't I don't have to like the man, right? We can separate the art from from this person. But I always laugh. I think it actually makes perfect sense that he's on the $10 bill because of somebody who was pro-inflation, right? Was pro just printing ourselves out of problems. Like that actually, yeah, that checks out. So, so I think that Hamilton is not the hero that we think he is. I think that he probably deserves to have more light cast on him and what he really did. I, I think that's true. And um, I'm going to make sure we link on the show notes page to a book called How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America. Huh. Pretty, pretty provocative title written by a friend of ours, Brian McClanahan. Uh, because it's one thing to watch a fun show and kind of learn about Hamilton, but the truth often requires a little bit more digging. And all of our listeners, Brittany, I know that there are people who they like the truth. They want to kind of peel back the layers of lies and, and misrepresentations. And so check out that book. We'll link to that on the show notes page, along with a couple articles from the Mises Institute, one of which we quoted earlier. Uh, this is worth looking into more because it's not just about learning about, oh, this random guy, Alexander Hamilton, what did he do? What he did is happening today. Yeah. People uh, who believe the same way he did are in charge of the government today. And it's important that we understand how these people thought in the past and how they acted and why they did, because it's better going to help us understand what's happening today and more importantly, what you and I can do about it. So guys, make sure you head to TuttleTwins.com slash podcast. Check out the show notes page for this particular episode. You'll find the links we mentioned Really important to learn this stuff. Great conversation, Brittany. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. 
You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.